Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee. All right, how's it going, Lee? Good, sir. How are you? Not too bad. We made it. Episode 9. Yes, sir. The Seen versus the Unseen. The Unseen versus the Unseen. The Visible versus the Invisible. This is a long time coming, folks. Yeah, this took a long time. I appreciate all those um, listens, views for episode number one. Likes and subscribes. Like, share, subscribe. All the good stuff there. Um, You know, we got episode number two out, plus we are splitting them up because we did hear uh, multiple individuals say that we were, you know, maybe pushing their limits. Their Some, listening abilities. Something like that. So we decided to split them up. So hopefully you guys like that. And we'll keep we'll keep listening as you listen to us. <laughs> you know, this is a little listening party. So anywho, just wanted to give a little breakdown of that. But just wanted to see what you thought. Um, if you wanted to get us rolling on this topic. I know it's, I know it's hard to see what we're going to talk about today. Was that a good one? Yeah. I mean, that's what? A minute in? You already threw in the dad joke? I had to throw it in early. It's all good. Threw in the towel. <laughs> um, I, know, I know this is definitely something that's hard to grasp and understand. Especially, well, in, in some sense. I think because we are so, quote, advanced that we no longer pay attention to signs to our dreams i've been i've been reading um a lot more about dreams and how we've moved past that and and you know there's this idea of like shaman or um like the guide uh, you have like a spiritual guide but there's this more um ancient way of, of looking at it and and there's various cultures that were attributing souls or um the gods were in the trees and the animals like there was a sacredness to the stars and the sun and, and, and you know all these different ways of looking at what was beyond us and what was playing out in in the world and we've now you know as time progressed have moved away from that and and now what we see are objects and things versus the intangible matter like we talked about before there's there is matter which is what you know things are made of but then there is actual objective matter or the object itself mm-hmm. and especially like i think looking at Jung and freud and and now what jordan peterson's trying to do and trying to bring that all back and then his lectures in the biblical series i think all that helps in a lot of ways, because actually, this is another thought I was having with all this. I just, it just helped me remember. But I was thinking about how we need to look at our past, and you know, I don't know if everyone ever, if anyone ever told told you, you should know where you come from to know where you're going, or something like that. I heard something, yeah, to that effect. So it made me think about how we need to look at these old stories, and especially right in the Bible and all these biblical stories and. Just earlier, I was watching this video, and they were finding artifacts um, 
I don't know if you know, if you've seen, but they're starting to find artifacts, like uh, more specifically the Noah's Ark um, boat. They're they're looking. They're starting to find these things, and like I guess they're saying that they found Noah's Ark. And mm-hmm. you know, there's all these, um, there's all this evidence that's showing how these stories are definitely true, even though it was no one, you know, even though you didn't have to see it, you just knew because you know, in the in the Bible holds the truth, and it's this idea of like seeing is believing, you know, this, this, and that, and it's interesting how all this is playing out. And I think for me, as as we continue to quote progress and move forward and and, and push things, um, you know, with Tesla with their new uh, invincible truck that you know their windows don't break at all, and, and then they break, <laughs> and then they literally break. <laughs> I, I think we we can find a lot of how do you say a lot of obviously wisdom. But I think you'd find a lot of lessons that are still true today as they were then that we didn't really come up with, but were accepted over time, over thousands of years, that have helped all civilizations survive. Yeah. I hope I'm gearing us up. You just, yeah, but I mean, you made me think about a lot right now. Okay. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you, I didn't make you, I didn't mean to make you think. It was an amazing introduction, folks. Yeah. That's what that was. Um, Because you you mentioned uh, technology. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And how we've shifted our understanding of things now that things are more accessible. Tangible. Um, we've definitely, we've definitely shifted our priorities in life. Um, some people would argue it's because of X, Y, and Z, and other people are going to argue it's no, it's because of ABC that things are the way they are. Things are so good, and we um, we don't have to focus so much on what are we going to wear, what are we going to eat tomorrow. Those. A lot of those uh, basic needs are no longer at the forefront of people's minds or consciousness, I guess. Um, but you hit ho- you hit home on something else too. Try, sorry, trying to trying to gather gather all my thoughts here. Um, oh, I see it. Oh. <laughs> I can see your thoughts. You can't. Uh, when you said we're talking about matter, right? Um, matter, in it, in one way we can we can think of it or look at it is that matter gives meaning to matter, right? Matter gives meaning to matter. In other words, these objects, mm-hmm. there's a there's meaning behind these objects, whether that's through it being practical, it being essential, um. I think JP talks about it in the last the last right role. yeah, like a a a log is a chair, as much as a chair is a chair, right? It, it it's that we are interacting with things, as we move about in the world and and we what we see are tools, and the way our bodies react to those tools it determines the utility and the usefulness of these right objects that we're interacting with interfacing and depending on what our goals are 
it could either be a hindrance or or a, a what is it hindrance or what's the other word that's one like opposite of hindrance i guess like, a, a help essentially it could either help help us achieve our goals or it can stop us from achieving our goals like i remember listening to one of his lectures and he said that you know if you're trying to leave the classroom and there's a trash can in your way you're going to be really annoyed that there's some trash can in your way and you're trying to leave the classroom maybe use the restroom or something so you know if if you're in traffic that's that's the easiest example you can give and there's a car in your way that's there's a car there's it's the light is red yeah the light's red the stop sign like i'm not going to say what i what i did to get onto the freeway but i did things to get on I the freeway things. no but in terms of technology and in terms of our further reliance or expectations or I don't even know if expectations is the right word, but I'm thinking our luxuries mm-hmm. per se, these technological advancements and what have you, what came to mind right away was a few weeks ago in Bible study talking about the Tower of Babel and how technology's always played a huge role in not just our advancement in in the visible matter but it's also shifted the the level of again going back to what I was saying earlier about the priorities of the inner matter the value right the um like our our uh like w- what you're trying to say is like our values are um our um what is it called now i can't think of it habits like, like our habits but what we decide are like our our priorities priorities are our high hierarchy of wow this is really hard <laughs> you're talking about the visible or the invisible which one's hard both man no i mean okay for example when you're just what you're just talking about for example i forgot my phone or i lost my phone that feeling of I have no idea where my phone is. It's not in my pocket. I thought it was in my pocket. Where did I set it down? And it causes a lot of anxiety in people. It causes a lot of terror, a lot of, you know, Makes it feel fear. like imminent death is upon the a horizon. Part, like a part of you is missing. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever, had, I mean, it's happened to you, but I've definitely lost a phone in public. I think it's the most frightening feeling you could ever have, besides losing your wallet. And if you have kids, losing your kids, losing your child, I mean, they definitely are literally a, a, your part of your being, if yeah. you will. Because I remember when it happened to me, I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? And then I had to very quickly shift because I was with a group of people. I didn't want to. I just didn't want to completely lose it, so I just had to change my mind frame from what am I going to lose to, okay, I just need to relax, need to breathe and figure out what I'm going to do from here. Yeah. And it's funny because you were, you were alluding to Tara Babel and, and how in that story, we, we see how trauma has informed people to try to find ways to protect and secure themselves uh, from what has happened 
and potentially what can happen. And and I think that's the same way that we think about technology today. I think we're trying to find ways to cure all of the diseases and pains and traumas that we've experienced, but yet you still can't get around like very basic fundamental traumas and pains. I think things that are unavoidable. Funny you say that because I actually heard of a quote. I'm going to botch it. I don't remember who said it, but essentially it was alluding to our fears are actually way more caught up in our imagination and mm-hmm. what the possibilities are versus the reality of what things actually are. And yeah. I think this that's a, a good like interpretation or translation, I guess you'd say, or breakdown of the visible versus the invisible where you were going, you were alluding to, um, going back to what you were saying in the beginning, alluding to uh, a shift in understanding or shift in culture with uh, the visible versus the invisible and how certain cultures have have had a deeper understanding of that or have or have had a they were more in tune appreciation yeah. right so there, there was no distractions where we seemingly think that social media gives us access to things they were way more in tune with what was around them than we could ever imagine right because that, that's very that goes into a lot of eastern philosophies that also uh, ties in with um ancient Greek philosophy where they they each had I mean I'm sure there's other groups in world history I just can't think of them right now top of my head but yeah a lot of different groups a lot of different people have recognized or understood that there are things going on in the invisible world or the, there is that acknowledgement of the invisible world um, and then we also see it obviously in uh, it, it plays out in scripture and the understanding of how anger, an emotion, for example, like right. anger, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly tangible. It's not exactly coming to life in the in the visible world until an action takes place. But in the invisible world, that's where everything is happening first. So yeah, I, I think kind of I think. Um what I'm also hearing in that is, you know, what what we would call like the spiritual the spiritual realm or the spiritual spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because even with anger, I feel like you can still feel it. Right. Okay. Like you I can feel, feel it. angry. It's within you. Yes. But so it's, it's internal. Not, it's internal, right? But it's not. How would I put it? It doesn't exist outside of you. It doesn't have any life outside of you until you okay. react, until you say something, until you do something that is, you're making it known, essentially, one way or another. Um, it's still, it's, it's weird. But yeah, it, it comes to life first in the invisible. And then it be with us, like I said, with our actions, our words speech it'll become part of the visible world for everyone else to to see or partake of i don't know why i went to anger no first. i no i think it, it makes perfect sense because the logical conclusion to anger is murder which is the 
the visible, the, the, the end result of what was not seen. And I think that's I, I think that's the logical path that you're going to go on. I think just all those different steps along the way, I think that's where obviously we can like tease that out more, like, you know, really break them down into more pieces. Because obviously what happens in the middle between from anger to murder time is time is is nurture, nurturing that that emotion and not dispensing with it. You know, as we we always discuss, it it's that seed in in your imagination, your mind, and or rather your heart. If if you know, there's a whole discussion that that's the that's the playground for your thoughts for, for your, your thoughts, emotions. right? Yeah. And I think it's interesting that we know we we don't know that's happening, and it, and it it is at all times because it it reminds me of of what I'm reading right now when we have our unconscious mind and then there's obviously like the subconscious as well. So this all exists, let's say in the unconscious mind, mm-hmm. we're not aware of, of all the various data points that we interact with on a day to day basis. Whatever we're paying attention to attention to is what we m- memorize. If you will, it's what's conscious to us. Right. And then whatever is unconscious to us is just being kind of, um, you know, kind of like sprinkled out into your, your imagination. It's just kind of there. And then over time, you know, it'll pop its vicious little head. If it's anger into your conscious mind and it'll, and it's, that's where like all that, when they say like you're brewing and it, and obviously I think the best and um, I'll, I think this is pretty straightforward from my influence from Jordan Peterson is, um, crime and punishment and it and it spells out what the course not really not the course but it spells out the various places in which that emotion gets nurtured and begins to grow and fester to a point where you no longer have control over yourself rather that emotion has control of you right this is uh this is beautifully illustrated in the new Mr. Rogers movie. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't it. seen it. Okay. So this is exactly what we're talking about is a big part, <laughs> a big part of the movie. That's awesome. Sorry, folks. I just saw it this weekend and it's uh It's definitely a good movie. Um You recommend it? Yes. Especially if well, I was going to say, especially if you're a fan of Mr. Rogers, but if you're not a fan of Mr. Rogers, then I I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm sure there are people that don't like Mr. Rogers. I'm sure there are. There's people <laughs> that it's just so, you know. No, but it, it, it the movie does a good job of highlighting emotion and what we're talking about. It's like that, um, was it Inside Out cartoon movie? Yeah, the Pixar movie. The Pixar movie that was... Different emotions to, to control. Yeah, different. At different part, at different parts or different stages of life. Yeah, which is really it was really well um, written. The storyline, I think, it was just beautiful to see how in accepting, and and at the end, it, it culminates. If you haven't seen it, it culminates to the emotion sadness, 
and it and it was in integrating that emotion that she was actually able to communicate with her parents how she was truly feeling mm-hmm. and then you know obviously you can see throughout the movie all the different emotions are are battling one another and, and trying to figure out what's the best the best uh, emotion for that that in that instant but obviously joy is trying to you know in in joy's dictatorship trying to control <laughs> her to, to just He's trying to navigate joy. navigate yeah. the whole yeah. yeah the whole thing but yet it, it was in the opposite of joy's sadness that was what was able to bring her closer to her parents was was able and and that's it's interesting if you think about that in how in scripture it's it's when god works in us is when we're at our lowest point right that's one definitely one way to that's one way one way to look at it or put it because it's in in knowing and in, in living in humility and knowing that we lean completely on god that that's how we're able to deal with the tragedies and the traumas of our life well in, in the in the visible world but also it's in that invisible influence that we're able to right this is how uh scripturally speaking this is how paul puts it in second corinthians four seventeen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's exactly what <clears throat> what you just touched on. Um, yeah, there these, it is. These things are going on. This is interesting. Things are going on and might not make sense. The situation doesn't make sense. Reaction. I mean, yeah. How do you, how do you figure, right? Yeah. Or rationale to step in the, like you just said, the the movie, the Pixar movie, Inside Out, where joy and (laughs) sadness are, they're there. They're, you know, they're battling. To, to see how okay how are we going to look at this mm-hmm. what's the perspective going to be on on the family you know having to make this adjustment or problems at school or what have you and and I think um, is it a spoiler alert I mean the movie's been out for too long right it's been out <laughs> yeah okay I mean if anyone has is it Disney Plus now get I your mean, Disney Plus I yeah. guess uh, we would love a sponsorship but it's funny how I don't know if I mean I might be misattributing some of the characters, but I remember at certain portions of the movie where things were getting a little bit more and more tense. The, the more tense things got, the more <laughs> the more intense anger got. I don't know if it was the anger the, is the right is the right word for for uh, Lewis's black Lewis black Lewis Black's character. Like the guy that was the red character, he was he would like light on fire. Flames, and, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if you remember. At least, at least the top of my head, I remember he was always trying to insert himself into the situation. Once things got escalated, escalated, yeah. or it looks like these this. were going to get out of hand. Yeah, he he wanted to step in. It was at that moment. <laughs> take control. Yeah, it was like this is my time to shine. Here we go. Right. Anger at one hundred. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting. And I and I know, 
I'm I don't know if I I think I might have explained this before in one of the other episodes, but I think now that I'm starting to read a lot of psychologists, especially like Jung and Freud and all these guys, I feel like it's helped me understand what we just read about the invisible being internal. Mm-hmm. Because Jung talks about the collective unconscious. Mm. So there's the anima and the animus. There's the masculine and the feminine. And and we both, as male and female, have both within us. We both have the anima and the animus. Sorry. Yeah. And we have those two consciousness, if you will, the masculine and the feminine that exists within us. The same way, if you want to say it this way, is we have... Sorry, folks. We're in uh, traffic, airplane traffic zone. So, in the same way that you want to say, because I know we've talked about how, you know, there's, there's, um, what is it, uh, wisdom being the feminine. And then God the Father being the masculine, right? Is that how we would talk about it? I'm trying to connect these I thought two. It was, no, I thought it was uh, the Father, God, God being looked upon as the masculine, and the Holy Spirit looked looked upon the Holy as Spirit, the feminine. Yeah, well, and it's that, and it's those two integrations. It's integrating both is what makes us, uh, let's say, affordable or a formable person and without truly integrating the masculine and the feminine within each and every one of us, we are lacking. If you think about it that way, it's interesting, right? If we're, if we're not able to truly integrate both, our true self cannot come to light, cannot come to the forefront and be what it is that makes us who we are rather than, when we are missing either the the masculine or the feminine, then we're missing a part of who we are. And it's and it's in these outbursts, I think in, in these in those places where we're lacking. Sorry folks. I wanted to give it a second. Feel free to jump in, Lee, because I'm I'm really obviously the point of what I'm doing is trying to think out loud. But well, what we're trying to do is think out loud as we're talking. But I'm trying to I'm trying to find this all in a way so I understand. I think what I'm trying to do is understand it myself because obviously as I'm I'm obviously as I am going through you know both material like as I'm going through the the psychology literature and I'm you know, reading the biblical stories and we're, we're discussing these things, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to grasp these mm-hmm. ideas. And I think in my own way, I'm trying to tackle it, but it's, it's just really, you know, it's, that's why it's so difficult. That's it's why a, we have very, to, yeah. it's a very ha- heavy handed uh, idea. Yeah. There, there's a lot to unpack with the notion of there's a, well, in the church, I, I guess that's one way to put it. But with yeah, within 
Christendom, the idea of there being a spiritual element or a spiritual world to things is something that is, it's not really easy to get away from. So understanding that there's angels, there's demons, there's God, you know, being a spirit, there's devil being a spirit, that there's an understanding or acknowledgement that there are things that are going on first within the spiritual realm that happened that's happening first and then the physical world the seen world in essence it's it's uh it's the aftermath of whatever is going on spiritually speaking well i mean we, a good example is in genesis 1 when god speaks order out of chaos and literally with the logos is able to create the sun and the moon, the stars, the beasts of the field, everything. And it's it's it was from first the spiritual that we now have. By the word of his power. Yeah, there you go. So it's just so fascinating when you think about it that way. And 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 then is it in John that talks about in the beginning was the word and. Um, yes. John one, John one. Everything was not everything that was made. Nothing was made apart from it. John one verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Yeah. Nice imagery light yeah. darkness. light in, in 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 and there was life in him i think that's really fascinating too because then you can connect that to the breath of life that adam received that adam received eve didn't sorry eve but did she i don't think she did it never said anything about it hmm, now we have to look it up oh no where's <laughs> our where's our where's our guy where's our guy but before you get there, too, is what I was thinking about also the principalities that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities. And we can get to, to that after. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me see. I'm looking at chapter two. So if, if she was taken from Adam's rib. And God fashioned. I mean, maybe He did. It just doesn't say. Yeah, it's pop. It's possible, right? I mean, we can. What is it? We can read between the lines and say. Yeah. So you were saying the the next one. Yeah, the principalities, flesh and blood. I think that one I, I enjoy a lot, especially because I've read the at least the first book of the Gulag Archipelago, and he basically says something to that effect of the the line dividing good and evil does not run through governments or um, he says other things but it doesn't run through like groups or anything like that but it runs through every human heart and it reminds me a lot about this uh, of this Ephesians 6 uh, I'll start with verse 10 finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and have done all to stand. Yeah, there you go. I love how, how part of part of the uh, the armor that he's mentioning in this in the verses it's going into it's going into how we should battle, right? Go into battle spiritually speaking. Gird your loins. Yeah. Loins. It's talking about how the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it goes into Praying always in verse eighteen, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, in, in keeping with that, with um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Gulag Archipelago, he says, and I quote: "The line of the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart." And through and through all human hearts, this line shifts inside us. It osculates with the years, and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained. Mm. So it's 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 it, it hits on both of those. You know, in the beginning was the word, and and the darkness couldn't comprehend it. But also, we we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that. He was able to articulate this in a, in a very, I think, similar way, but in in the context of the of the gulags, and in in seeing how that played out. I mean, in the tangible world, right? Because how, like, for, realm. yeah, like for example, as of late, how would you explain to somebody that, say, for example, they they don't pay attention to the news or what have you, but it seems like all of a sudden within a few days from each other, the things that are going on in South America. I mean, yeah, we've seen it for a while in Venezuela. We've seen it in Hong Kong, but it's spreading like wildfire down there. Like all these governments are being protested and it's, it's no joke. I mean, the, the, the amount of angst, the amount of chaos that ensues when, you know, people get tired of it. It's it's interesting because obviously no government is perfect, mm-hmm. but you know I think we are very blessed to have the government that we do have, despite its its innumerable flaws. Innumerable flaws. Exa- <laughs> that's a great yeah, exactly. But I think in keeping with good and evil, I mean, what is good and evil, right? I think that's the ultimate battle. Essentially, that's the internal battle that we're playing out all the time. And I think it's something that we deal with in our own lives. Obviously, every day we have to decide good. And if, you know, someone gets taken down the path of evil, you know, I think we all can see what that looks like with see the, the mass shootings and, and, you know, every all those other evil or wrongdoings that we see in the world because, you know, of so many things that so many there's so many causes to it. I think we yeah, we have a to unpack all that or not unpack, but we have to flesh that out in I, more detail. But and I, and I think that just, 
we're so soon to forget or dismiss the fact that we're we can be both an agent for evil and an agent for good what from one moment to the next right all it all it takes is a thought all it takes is imagine just holding on to a specific we're, thing we're, we're capable of both yeah and it's interesting I, in in light of you know our, our discussion topic is you know where does evil exist and where does good exist and you mm. can see it you can see good and you can see evil it, it does play out in the world it does play out in our lives but yet what you know what is it precisely good and evil yeah I think we both know the attributes. I think we know both know what is a source of good, and I think we both know what the source of evil right. is. I think that's what I'm... Because we're not... How would I put it? We're not the originators of good and evil. We can't... Oh, I was going to say, we can't produce good on our own, but we can produce evil on our own because of... It, if you look at it from the aspect of our, we're in our we're within our sinful nature, we're within the, the fallen state, so to speak. But we run it, to the mud. We run to the mud. Um, I don't want to say we're predisposed to the mud, but we're definitely attracted to the mud. So more speak. easily. Yeah, and it's not until we're connected to the to the vine then we can produce fruit good fruit so um speaking of good fruit uh, what is how does the the verse go about we we would know of his of his um they shall know they shall know him by their fruits. by their fruits and a good a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce an orange good tree fruit. is not going to produce an apple right it's basic logic Trying to throw logic. <laughs> one plus one is two, but it's you know it's it's in keeping with what we're talking about, right? It's the seed, the mustard seed. Mm. It's the seed that produces the apple. The apple seed that produces the apple. It's the the apple seed is anger. The apple tree or the apple itself, the fruit is murder. I know people are gonna think, wait a minute, if I produce apples am i producing murder no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is if we again nurture and cultivate these emotions which i mean we all have these emotions it's normal you know i was you know we're angry with ourselves we can be angry with others it happens all the time it's normal it is what it is but i think it's in recognizing when it does happen and 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 obviously we have different tricks or different ways of alleviating these emotions that you know if, if we don't pay attention to them then they can really like again you know we're not we're not battling flesh and, flesh and blood let's go okay let's go down in line with that with the idea like what you said that faith faith as a seed so to speak because I'm sure you're familiar with this I just you know thought we would touch on this portion of scripture a little bit hebrews 11 1 now faith is is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen 
for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Beautiful. I mean that him being dead, his yeah. works, his actions, his choice, his choices, his decisions, it still it still rings true. Basically, right? Is well, yeah. Or it, it further on uh in that chapter it goes into let's see well verse six. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's interesting that, I don't know why, today of all days, I heard Richard Dawkins with Joe Rogan. And it's just interesting how... It's like that's... I mean, yeah, he's. A, I understand he's a biologist and he's an author and whatnot. At the forefront of Richard Dawkins, it's not just that he's an atheist, but he's a combative atheist who has this, I don't want to say agenda, but he has he definitely has an approach towards, I want to debunk religion, the notion of God, the notion of uh, creative design, anything that has to do with this notion of faith, where it's like, you can't, at least I'm not going to speak to all atheists, obviously, but for Richard Dawkins, it was abundantly clear that he's an atheist, <laughs> but he's a, he's the outspoken atheist who's going to make sure that you know he's against you or he's against the, the faith sect. Yeah. Like that's, that's very much, I don't, I think I almost, it almost feels like well, listening to the interview. It almost felt like, of all things, he's first the debunker of religion, of faith, of God. And then he's an atheist, and then he's a biologist. That's what it, that's what it, <laughs> that's looks what like. it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so... It's, it's, like, it's, yeah. Hold on. How come you can't be an atheist and just be an atheist? Because I, I, I know um, Adam Carolla, he's touched on it, and he's like, look, I'm just an atheist. Just... Just because, and he says, people ask me, are you angry with God? Or he's like, no, I don't even think twice about God. I'm just, this is just what, based on, you know, what I see, what I understand. For Adam Carolla, he just doesn't believe in God. But he, and he just leaves it at that. There's no animosity. There's no, I mean, come on, Adam Carolla of all, he's the yeah. atheist guy. But he's partnered with the Jewish Orthodox guy and they're making a movie based on the political and cultural climate of America. No like, safe, I, no more safe spaces? Uh, or uh, no safe, safe spaces. Safe, no, no safe spaces? Something like that, yeah. yeah. With Dennis Which, Prager, yeah. I'm just saying, like, it's very it's very interesting that... I mean, yeah. It, you could say sense. the same about Dave Rubin, right? Right. But he's, he's obviously more in tune with people he's that become are... become more influenced, People sure. that are, are yeah. deists. Yeah. With but yeah, it's 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 like Corolla's open to, 
without saying it. He just says, like, look, it doesn't bother me that you're a believer. It doesn't. I, I'm just, my personal choice, my personal opinion is that I'm not. And and he can move on. He can move on from that. Whereas somebody like, I mean, maybe because, I don't know, Richard Dawkins is an, an intellectual and he's a, you know, I don't know if he's a professor. Maybe he has been in the past. I'm sure he has to be, right? But I'm saying he's at that level of, like... Animosity. <laughs> like, can't move on from that. There's got to be some sort of childhood traumas that he's not dealing with. Maybe it's a British thing. It might be a British thing. I don't thing. know. But I just thought it was very interesting because I'm like... I've heard, like you said, I've heard Corolla. I've heard Dave Rubin. I've heard plenty of people that it doesn't bother them that other people are, you know... Religious, or yeah. they're, you know, they have some kind of faith. Yeah, and and I think it's, it's interesting that you say that because, like, I think about like Sam Harris and Peterson and their debate, mm-hmm. and there was a legitimate conversation that was happening, and 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 I think yet they were both trying to get to the same conclusions, just from a different angle, different perspective. Yeah, yeah. they were they were they were starting from a different starting point. If, you know, and but I think they were they would they both end up in the same place hmm. without really realizing, and I, and obviously Peterson attributes attributes that, you know, like like we know he started from psychology and all that research, but came to scripture, and I think he's always had that as like a bedrock, where I think Harris starts with science, and still I think he still does come to that same conclusion, you know, he understands that there is this. Like we talked about, there's this battle happening between good and evil, and he wants good ideas to to win over, you know, the evil ideas. Hmm. I don't think he says it that way, but that's how I imagine him saying it. And you know, it's so funny. I was listening to him on the portal with Eric Weinstein, and he said it again on there that he doesn't believe in free will. Sam Harris said that. Yeah. Again, like you would have to, you would have to define what that even means. Like, where does that exist, right? Again, going, I, I you know, we're playing on this thing that, that has elements of of biblical beliefs too. Yeah, of of the the notion of uh, the fallen state because we're in the fallen state, we have a sinful nature, and within the flesh, the way the work, the way the 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 workings of the flesh, like I said, we're we're geared towards wanting to be in the mud. Yeah, and and it's so I don't know, it just like was frustrating. Like how do you not believe in free will? You know, it, it's like do you not understand the US Constitution and and the reason why we do have free speech and the reason why we do have the right to assembly and we have the right to free press and we say it all the time, you know, freedom. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we have our we have our inalienable rights, inalienable rights. He believes in those same rights. And to say that, and to me, I feel like those are in the same category as free will, because what these inalienable rights are telling you is that you can act in accordance to these because you have we have free will. Going back to no one's made. dictating, yeah. no one's saying your life is going to be this way. And and I think in him saying that there is no free will is the same as is, is him saying also saying that there is a creator in a way that that has designed you to 
live out a certain life and to make certain to decisions. To be predisposed to certain activities, certain, yeah. I think that's, I, I don't think he would say it that way, but I think that's what he's saying in a lot of ways without only, realizing it. But only if these are facts. Only. Or what, what was his claim to fame? The truth based on facts? I think so. Wasn't it something like that? He wanted to, the basis of truth for him wants to, he wants, is that he wants it to be based around, yeah, around fact, around yeah. facts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, it has to be, it has to be based around facts. And again, I think, that, I think that's how they got bogged down. It's like, what are facts? What's truth? And obviously, we, you know, we alluded to it earlier about in the beginning was the word. And that's Jesus with the, with the Romans. Right. What is truth? The, they, that's something that at least going again going back to the visible and the invisible the idea of that and how certain certain people at different times in history observed it or acknowledged it you can say that for the Romans as far as what is truth and you know we've talked about how in living the truth out versus living out the lie what are the results of that you know mm-hmm. they're the greatest traumas exist because of lies and we are deeply affected by it there's a reason why people get adamantly upset when you're not truthful with them and even in white lies you know there is white lies white truth or what is it white lies, little white lies little white lies you know there's still this little frustration that exists and you know it's 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 a lot of work and i think that's what's so important about having open dialogue in in speaking truth and having the logos and 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 being in being in obedience to god's word i think that's our only salvation at the end of the day and something that i've i don't want to say i took for granted but i just never realized the the gravity of it you know, I think I'm learning over time, and I realize where. You mean the building bro- the building blocks of truth, right? Yeah. How foundationally that that in is. Any, for, I guess just in anything, right? And just in yeah, relationships, any, anything that you agree to, anything yeah. that you say no to. Where if we're not operating under truth or within truth, whatever it is that we're speaking out or deciding. That's not if it's not centered around truth, then the, there's nothing to stand on. Event, like eventually, it's going to collapse. Eventually, right. it's going to break down, and it's going to be in uh, just a rubble. It's going to be a mess. Yeah, and I, and I think it, you know, alluding that I think that alludes to you know relationships that alludes to family that alludes to, you know. You can see it in politics and you can see it in, in business. You can see it in nonprofits. You can see it. Mainstream media. Mainstream media. Fake you, news. You, yeah, you see it everywhere. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times people want to talk about these huge global issues. And yet we're not dealing with what we can deal with in, in our own lives, in our own selves. You know, it's it's like how Peterson says that we're a node in a network. Mm. We, you know, Jesus took the sin of the world upon him and, and bore that sin and died on the cross. I think that is saying the same thing. His actions affected 
all of humanity before and after, right? That was a pivotal right. moment in history. Okay, if people believe that was wait, can historical. we can we say that the life of Jesus was the crescent? Cres, I can't say that word. Crescendo. You had trouble last time, and now I'm having trouble. Yeah, the we crescendo. Crescendo of humanity, right? Because that's when you're talking about logos. That's when truth became flesh. Truth entered into the world. For the second time? Not really. Or kind of. Well, I don't want to get us distracted, but. but. Yes, and I mean, yes and no, because it, you know, how they're in Genesis when it says that Abraham spoke with the Lord, it was flesh and blood. And so that's like, I forget the term, the, the. scholarly term that they use for the pre- pre-incarnate Jesus. Ah, okay. Because that's something, too, that I, I've thought about. If that Does that also apply to Genesis, the Garden mm. of Eden? Because, it, you know, it says after they after they ate of the fruit, they of the knowledge of, of good and evil, it says that they heard him walking in the garden. So, I mean, who knows what that would look like because... If it's a spirit, how would how would it make? If it's only if God was only abiding in the invisible world when He was in the Garden of Eden, how would He have made noise when He was walking through the garden? It's just I know it's something that I no, I, 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 I but um, it's hard. We didn't. I don't, it's weird. I didn't even prep for that. It's Talking beautiful. about the visible and the invisible and gen, the story of Genesis. Two and three, and God walking in the garden. I mean, at least Adam was able to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day. Because see, before when I was a kid, up until I don't know how long ago, I just thought, oh yeah, it was just the presence of God was there, and it was just a voice, and they felt God's presence as they lived and walked among the animals in the garden and whatnot. But then that part kind of. You know, now that I'm older, now that part throws me off where it's like when he was looking for them, he's walking through the garden. It says that they heard him walking through the garden. Anyway, sorry. I know that's no, I mean, it's great. Sidetrack. <laughs> that's what we're doing here. But um, we're here to get distracted by the word. So, yeah, so Jesus was the when the word became flesh, Jesus. Was that the. I don't know. I can't. I don't know if we can say that. That's okay. not the pinnacle of of mankind. You know how in the Old Testament, I forget which book. Forgive me. It it it, it foreshadowed the coming of Christ. Isaiah. Was it Isaiah? Right. It's one of those. I mean, there's there's different portions there. And then it also uh, alluded to the word being written on our hearts. The are you talking about? Uh, right away, I thought of a uh, heart of stone to a heart of flesh, but no, that's not. That's not the right. law. Sorry, forget the me. law being the, written in our hearts. Yes. Okay. Could we say that when the word became flesh is the equivalent in God and Jesus living out his life that God put the word in his heart, the truth. Well, he was truth. He was living out. He was true because he was living out the truth because that was what 
That's let's say that's what his in the physical world that's what he was made of. Truth. Of truth. And could not go away from that because it was who he was, both physically and spiritually. Spiritually. In the same way that you're thinking about they heard God walking. Mm-hmm. They heard his footsteps. Cause that 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 gets that gets into his deity and how because there are some people that are gonna say well, he's God, so that's why he could create, you know, perform these miracles. That's why um, him fasting 40 days and 40 nights, that's why he could do it. But, no, he's operating as as a man. In obedience to, right? Same way he's that not, we would have he to. Was, he's not a man the way you and I are a man, right. being in the fallen state. He's, he wasn't that. He was the second Adam, operating as having the dominion, having the power, having the authority that Adam had. Right. But also like you said, abiding, abiding with the, within the God, within the word of God, within God instructing him. Cause then he's, cause he said, I only say and do the things that the father tells me. Right. So, like as like like we've learned before, we've heard before in, in Bible study, that he was always in constant communication, constant communion with God the God the Father. And it and it shows us what life could be like, just like uh, in in the movie The Book of Eli. You ever see that one? Mm-hmm. You know he's blind and yet, you know, stays on the narrow and straight path or the straight and narrow path. And just keeps going, but still is is affected by what what is happening around him. Mm-hmm. But yet was able to fulfill his his mission or his purpose purpose out. You know, just despite all that, it's the same thing, right? And I think I think what's really mind boggling or just amazing when I think about how. Jesus knew what his purpose was going to, what his purpose was mm-hmm. and knew what the, the end of the line was going to be for him, knew exactly what was going to happen. And I think that's what for us in, in when it comes to like fear, you know, Jesus didn't operate in fear at any point. Right. Cause he walked in, in the Valley of the shadow of death and I forgot how you say it now. I fear no evil. Right, even you know, even walking in the, in the though though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall feel no feel fear no evil. There you go, feel or fear. I'm all tongue tied here. <laughs> and emotional. I'm mixing in the King James and the yeah and the NIV together somehow. So it, it's 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 in that vein that we and and thinking about what's invisible, invisible fear is an invisible. What is it? It's it's invisible, but yet we are. You feel it. You feel that. You get the, the goosebumps, goosebumps you know, and, and we react to that. But yet, for Jesus, it was not the case. I'm sure he felt fear, but he didn't. Well, he did at, at that one point sweat. 
Sweated blood. Sweated blood. Yeah. But I think it's just overall, you know, I think knowing. Well, I think for the way I would put it, he felt fear, but he didn't operate within fear. He didn't let fear take a hold. Yeah, that's definitely a better way of saying it. Yeah. He he didn't allow fear to dictate his, his understanding, to dictate his choices. Right. It wasn't he wasn't abiding under fear. He understood it, he saw it for what it was, acknowledged it, but he didn't give it any power, so to speak. Yeah, and I think we all we can all be sympathetic to those who are operating fear. And fear? Yeah. Definitely. I think it's I don't want to say it's human nature, but it's certainly it's certainly easy. To let that dictate. It's yeah, it's definitely how I mean, just within my own family history, for some individuals, that's definitely how some people have decided to go about life. Where you know everything revolves around what I fear and what I don't fear. Um, but I think we. I'm trying to remember where I learned this, but we all operate under that same notion. I think it's, it's, uh, if you study the way shepherds work with sheep and how essentially the shepherd will instill certain fears Mm -hmm. with, with the sheep, with the lamb so that it's being directed in a way where these are, these are boundaries and these are boundaries for a reason so that it's protecting you it's protecting you from certain dangers so that, for example, if a sheep wanders off too many times and they're young, um, there's a practice within shepherds where they break their legs. Whoa. They break their legs. That's why, you know how it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me in, in Psalms 20, Psalm 23. I think that's Psalm 23. Sounds about right. Um, <laughs> so the shepherd's role... In in breaking the legs of the sheep, he's also mending. He's also mending their legs to the point where, in order to, to travel, he's carrying the sheep around his his neck, around his shoulders. Yeah, around his shoulders, so that once the sheep is fully restored, once the sheep um, is healed, so to speak, the sheep is in constant. Awareness of the shepherd, the sheep will now stick close to the shepherd's side. Even though the shepherd was the one that instilled the discipline yeah. aspect of it. I mean, that's another verse, too, that God disciplines those that he loves. That's another way to, to yeah. look at that. But So the sheep understands after the fact, after that, the sheep understands, as a, or I should say, has a good understanding of, of fear has knowledge of knowledge of where it understands that the shepherd is is there to look after to look after it so to speak yeah it's it's i mean that's what it is right our parents discipline us and we thank them and we definitely see the 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 effects of kids that aren't disciplined right oh yes we see i mean what what's um peterson's Nobody likes an 
an old baby. Yeah. A big, uh, not a big baby, but no, I think it, I think it was old baby. Something a like four-year-old, twelve-year-old, forty, a fifty-year-old baby. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's in it's interesting, yeah, because it's in that discipline where maturity and growth happen. It's bringing out. It's bringing out the it's it's helping the development that person that goat to develop to be well in the goat's case or the lamb's case a better follower and better 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 at being obedient to the shepherd but in the same way as as raising children I think or or the same way in in any in any uh sort of inner you know interpersonal relationship it's it's in those you know when we upset one another and we tell each other of our you know what sort of trespass did we talk about this already we might have we had the the whole notion you're trying to correlate or reconcile the the fear of the lord is the beginning of understanding yes with perfect love cast out all fear so i don't remember that part that's new to me. The fear of the, 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 sorry, the perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I don't have a concordance or Bible encyclopedia with this, but I know that fear in the first verse doesn't necessarily mean the exact same thing as the, the word fear being used in the second verse. Got it. Okay. Because fear, right. Fear, we, we can look at it as, as worry, trembling, terror, horror, uh, but fear can also invoke respect, mm-hmm. reverence. So there's an element. I mean, there's an element of that in both. But essentially, because I've heard this from, it might have been Erwin McManus, that our fears is what define our boundaries. So if you're if you're afraid of afraid of heights, heights, you're not going to go on a hot air balloon. That's for sure. Right. I've been on a plane though. Yeah. Wait, are you saying <laughs> are you saying you're afraid of heights? A little bit. It's a little. I mean, I, I guess it's different because we went on the tram. Oh, the tram. Okay. That freaked me out. The the, the hot springs. Oh well, tram. actually, you guys didn't make it, but. It's too much for you. Who decided that was a good idea? I mean, it was definitely fun. I, 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 I can see myself doing it again. Not I so overcame much. my fear. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I, I think the same the same way. Like, if I was in, in fear of of the tram, I would not have been able to participate in this, you know, fellowship, and I would have missed out on the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But. I decided, no, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm not going to put that boundary. Because <laughs> that's interesting. Now, I don't know why I thought of when they asked, they asked Kanye, who is he afraid of or what is he afraid of? He said, I only fear my daddy. Did he say something like that? I thought he said, I fear God. Yeah, but that's, he's alluding to God when he's saying my daddy. Oh, he said it that way? Yeah, he said it. <laughs> ah. Well, that's Kanye. Kanye. Did you, did you hear about, what's his name, uh, Rick Perry saying that, God ordained Trump's Trump's presidency and Obama's presidency. I don't know if that second part's true, but I've heard a few people say that. What do you think about that? Well, 
as a Christian? Are you asking me as a Christian? Or are you asking me as a well? What do you think of that? Yeah. Huh? Do you think that's in keeping with scriptures? Okay. Uh, you have to, yeah. You have to acknowledge history and the way God worked within political man-made. I should say we're not even man-made sometimes, but. Yeah, definitely, because we're going to hear in, I believe it's Exodus, how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. There's a lot more to that. Uh, some people are going to take it. Like you're talking about free will. Some people are going to assume, or not assume, but attribute that to, see, God isn't just, he isn't... Um, he isn't letting us letting this whole thing play out, but in reality, uh, it's a matter of viewing it as under God's sovereignty, so to speak. Because in some translations, or again going back to what I what I said with having a concordance or encyclopedia, the understanding of um, one of interpre- one interpretation of hardening Pharaoh's heart was uh, alludes to the picture of a wine press. So, the within, within a wine press, they're, all you're doing is squeezing out whatever that fruit, or in this case, with, with wine, obviously it's grape. Whatever's in the whatever's made. Funny going to the uh, the unseen versus the seen versus the unseen. So when you're looking at a grape, you can't see what's in it. You don't know if it's seedless or not, right? Necessarily, yeah. you don't know how much juice that that grape has but in keeping with that storyline of God hardening his heart and some translations are going to say all it was was God squeezing out whatever was in that heart he's he's pressing on it so that not necessarily manipulating what's in it he's actually because of the, the story of uh, the process of Moses and Pharaoh all he was doing was Allowing for whatever was in that heart to manifest. Hmm. It came to life. Pharaoh's heart was at the forefront of the story with him saying no, seeing the plagues one after another after another. He was, Pharaoh was taken to the boiling point of, okay, you're still resisting, you're still fighting. And because of it, I'm just, we're just going to keep agitating you. We're going to keep pushing down on what you're made out of and that's all just going to come out. So in keeping in line with what we're talking about as far as was that God ordained? God definitely had something to do with it. If we, if we're believing, for example, with, um, King Nebuchadnezzar, for example, how he went crazy. He, he had, he had his chances. He saw God's miracles. He saw that there's something going on with these these uh, Israelites. There's something going on with these these people from Judah that have this strange God, this foreign God, and they're claiming certain things and they're coming about. But since he's the king at the time, he was still resisting. He was still fighting, to where he went crazy and says that he. His heart became like that of the beast of the field. Mm. So he became like just a wild man. 
his plane lost his mind. And then it wasn't until after the fact, it was after that, that he acknowledged the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Um, the Lord of hosts. Yeah, but in that element, um, we understand that. Well, even, I guess, if you look at Joseph, too. So Joseph and Daniel, they were put in, posi- in these positions as prime ministers. They were put in these positions to... To guide the ship, I guess, or to steer the ship. Keep it on course. Keep it up. Yeah. So God's done it before. So who are we to say that he's not doing that now? Like you said, with Obama, people, people like Obama or people like Trump. For one reason or another. Do you think that over the past two years, we've seen more truth exposed more lies exposed rather or am I just is it just more um, how do you say it more not glamorized not hyperbolized but hyperbolized or I, I just exaggerated you yeah. think it's more exa- you think it's been more exaggerated in the last two or so years just because of the you know the high levels of um, I guess anxiety and and Ups, uh, of frustration with Trump being impre- uh, being the president, do you think there's just been more? I can't think of that word, but just more hyperbole. I I would say it's just getting a lot harder. It's getting a lot harder to keep people out, to keep them misinformed, to keep them blind, so to speak. Because what I'm thinking of is. How we're seeing, you know, with Epstein, even with um, what's going on in with, um, you know, child molestation within certain priests, you're seeing um, what else? Just some of the lies that are happening or or rather with like the CBS anchor, you're seeing um, just all kinds of different things happening and, and more of the lies being exposed more but, recently yeah. it seems as to me a little bit it's because well yeah it's because i guess being that we're in the digital age you think it's more about that than anything else it's certainly helped yeah because now you hear a story on the news and it's like supposedly this guy did this and said this and that's what some people are saying he's being accused of x y and z and it's like, okay, well, let me go look at his Instagram account. What's he saying on Twitter? Why do I need the mainstream media? Why do I need the media? Why do I need a reporter, a journalist? They have their place, obviously, still. And it definitely comes out more and more, you know, who's who's keeping their integrity in check versus who's not. But it, I just think it's a lot easier to... I don't know what this guy's about, and they're going to play him on the on the news or he's going to show up on the view for a 10 minute segment or whatever or he's going to be on Joe Rogan or with whoever on long forum for an hour and a half, 2 hours. Why don't I just do that instead of, you know? I don't need to wait for the 6:30 o'clock evening news. I can just pull it up on YouTube anytime I want. Gabriel only at the crossroads. Every new episode every Monday, like, <laughs> share, subscribe. That's right. 
but I mean that and I think going back to um, we were talking about tech in the beginning but these uh, these revelations, revelations have been exposed because like I'm thinking Trudeau even like Kavanaugh right or um, the the Virginia governor or the Carolina Virginia uh, uh, North Carolina the blackface Mm. He was in blackface. Yeah, yeah. Trudeau was in blackface. Um, what else? I don't know. But then you you add in like the Me Too. You add in all the different, you know, high pro- high profile actors and news anchors and. I think the Babylon Bee had something like that a couple of days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. It said something about oh, Hollywood is still praising the last twelve celebrities remaining that aren't caught up in a controversy or have never been caught up in a controversy. Yeah, but I think that that I think all that just really <laughs> speaks to. You know, we all struggle. I think that that's what it really speaks to. It's not like we're on one side or the other. We're all humans. We're all humans dealing with this eternal battle of good and evil. And yet we don't attribute the cause. We look at we look at group um what is it? Group assignment or group think? No, like group um like where they exist in, in certain groups or ideologies. Demographics? Huh? Demographics? Yeah, essentially like they're in media, they're celebrity, they're right or left, conservative, liberal, Democrat or Republican or American or non-American, you know. They're from this cultural group and so yeah. therefore they have to vote this way. Yeah, but like we're, we're, we're looking at the surface of it and, and not going deep into these, uh, these, these internal battles that all humans are dealing with. Well, I mean, isn't, yeah, isn't that the, the rub against um, identity politics? Right. Where it's like we're... Intersectionality. Let's, let's yeah. allow this one fact about us to define us. Yeah. Where it's like people... That's not how people are. People are, are complex. They're... Right? They're... They're... They're difficult. They're... They're made up of so many different elements. So many different things. Going to the visible versus the invisible. Right. So, yeah. Why, why do you want to shoehorn them or put them in a box because of this one fact about the person? Because that's all we can see. That's all we can physically see of that person. Do you think it's okay? Do you, but do you think too, to that point, we're just trying to make sense of it? And so it's like Gabe's a male Hispanic. Boom. He must be from Santa Ana. It's possible that he's in a gang. It's possible that, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it? I mean, I just see it as being lazy. It's it's dishonest. Well, yeah, definitely. It's it's categorizing us. Disingenuous. Yeah, and not that none of that's well. I'm not in a gang, or you know, it may or not may that, not be true. Yeah, it may but or may not be true. That doesn't define you. Certainly not, and and it doesn't it doesn't tell the story of my life experiences or anyone's life experiences. It doesn't tell the story of my DNA, the composition of my DNA, my parents, the history. Um, the attitudes, the, the, you know, there's so many things that have happened or have not happened that, you know, me being who I am 
ethnically or culturally or um, geographically speaking, you know, it, it tells only part of the story. Right. One, it's it's a it's a minor detail of right of who you are, what makes you you, because. Um, I don't know. I get some slack for this, but like that's that's how some veterans feel about celebrating something like Veterans Day. Where for for some of them that are, that are out, a little bit more outspoken, they're gonna say, "Just because I'm a veteran doesn't mean I'm a hero." Right. Yeah. Because they're veteran. They're, it's like we're people. We're people too. We're flawed. It's like the guy that went to. Uh, what was it? He was wearing his uniform, and it's Lieutenant. To you, sir. Remember yeah. that guy? And then the next day he was wearing a suit and <laughs> decided that that was fine. Anyways, but yeah, what I, the reason why I brought that up is because, you know, some veterans are upset. Like, okay, dude, like, you don't have to worship me because, yeah. yeah, because I put on a uniform. Or but maybe other veterans would be like, that's great. Like, he should. That's, he earned and yeah, he, he went through, he's our brother. He, 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 we know what he had to deal with the same as he dealt with us, so it's it's you know, because like we were talking about, target we're talking about truth, right? Going back to truth and how is that something that we're going to? Are we going to approach our relationships? Are we going to approach things in the within the light of truth? Because for example, I've met <laughs> I've met people that were in the Air Force, and they're just like you know when this whole thing comes up about respecting or honoring veterans yeah. and whatnot. When I've met people, some people in the Air Force, they're quick to hold off on the on the, them being praised. They're like, look, I was in the Air Force for four years and I was in the off in an office for most of the time. I never got shot at. You know, I never, you know, had a fire weapon or anything like that. Like I'm not a hero. <laughs> I'm not, you know And even for those guys who were in battle you know, maybe they came out came out of that not as badly wounded or aff- afflicted by, you know, what they had to do or what they had to deal with. And, you know, they can say that I'm not as bad as this other guy. Right. Like, somebody else got it worse. Give more or attention or what have you. Somebody else lost a limb or. Yeah. And it's just, it's that's a very interesting, you know, domain, especially when it comes to this idea of like sacrifice and. You know, certainly many of them put their life on the line. Yeah, because, I mean, to me, that, that goes into the notion of respect being earned. And it's not something that we can command or demand, right? Because yeah. it's like, okay, there's something, for, for most people, there's something noble or honorable with the idea that somebody served their country. And then... Like that's a Bill. This is a Bill Burr joke, <laughs> where he's like at the airport. He's like, I want to know, you know, when they honor a veteran or they say a veteran is stepping off the plane or coming into the plane. He's like, you know, after twenty minutes of them, you know, mentioning it, he's like, I want to go up to them and ask them, Hey, who are you? Were you were you the guy flying the F sixteen, you know, or were you the guy pumping gas into, you know, into the the truck, the transportation <laughs> truck or the whatever. Uh, but no, yeah, there's, there's definitely. Oh yeah, he says I'm like all veterans. Yeah, yeah like all of them. <laughs> I remember that. He's yeah. he's brutal. Did you? I, I don't know if you uh, remember Theo Vaughn. Yeah, we talked about him. 
he had him on, and then you know H three H H three, H three H three, H three H three, Ethan Klein or something like that. Rings a bell, kind of. He has a podcast, H three H three, with his girlfriend or wife, and he had built Burr on his show too, and apparently for both of them it just went sideways, like he just like ran them over basically, like Bill just, Burr did. Yeah, just kind of like bullied them, and they and. Like they were talking about it. it, almost sounded like they were in like some support group together, talking about how bad it was to talk I'm, to Bill Burr. But I don't know. It's just funny thinking about how just you know you know Bill Burr is he's a very intense guy, and I think he's you know this whole idea of like he's from Boston, but then like his upbringing with his dad and his whole bit about you know being at a at a ninety and you know his wife is like, how do you get from zero to a hundred and you know, in like three seconds, I'm already at a nine day. <laughs> like, you know, he's just he's 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 dealing with things, obviously, right? Like we all in his are, in his invisible world, yeah, within himself. We can't see any of that that's happening, you know, and we don't know the history. And it that's yeah, again, I I think it's it 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 speaks to the complexity of 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 humans and and you know what sort of traumas are we dealing with or you know, this whole anti-bully movement and, you know, is bullying bad? Yeah, sure, it's terrible. You know, it, it could definitely... It depends what it leads to. Yeah, it could definitely... Yeah, you can you can run into muck and hurt people and... But then, you know, like my... You know, there's people... One specific family member that was called fat and he decided, you know, I'm going I'm to do something it about it. It motivated this. them yeah, to... Yeah, it motivated change. him. Change. I think for, for some, it, that's, that's what you need. And it and it's it's all dependent on the person. It, it 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 comes down to the individual and and how you decide to let that affect you. And I think like going back to putting people in a box because that's essentially what PC culture does, right? It puts everyone in a box where it's like, oh, there was this joke about this group of people, so that means everybody from this group of people is now offended, right? Or they're, you know, emotionally distraught or whatever because of this image or because of this person saying this or what have you. And it and it really, really, really denies the word. It's saying that it's so funny when you think about it, that words are offensive. They can be. They sure. can be. But they are it depends on how, you know, it, it depends on intention and things like that and context and, you know, how it's being said and and, and the like. But it's it, what I'm thinking is, you know, if, if we are made in the image of God and we have the logos, the ability to speak truth and listen to the, the word and, 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 you know, having the logos be the bedrock is anything truly offensive? Okay. It's saying that it, it brought to mind what we were saying earlier about cultural shifts and how times change, people's, people change, definitions change. And we didn't say all that, but I'm just, this is all just coming up in my, my thoughts. Because I think of, uh, for example, I have uh, one of my previous bosses. 
who wasn't old. I don't. I don't want to say he's old fashioned, but he was very in tune with how things have shifted since he grew up in the '60s or in the. He was in. He graduated from high school in the '70s, so for him, for example, let's say something like the term "never kick a person while they're down." Hmm. We attribute that to. Hey, they're down in the dumps. You know, they got fired from the job or whatever. They're they're in bad straits, and so right now is not the time to make fun of them. Right now is not the time to put them down. We look at at we look at that in those terms, right? But literally, what it comes from, and this is what my my old boss was telling me, he's like, back in the day, you know, you could settle a fight, and once. The, the first person fell to the ground, the fight was over. And that was it. It was oh. an understanding of you don't need, you literally don't have to kick them when they're down. You've won the fight. They're done with. I just think it's interesting that we've, we've reinterpreted, we've reinterpreted it. And then we've, we've shifted from, you know, back, back then, back then it, it, it it was going to end your your confrontation or a disagreement had the potential to end with whoever gets you know down on the ground first it's done it was an understanding it's done it's over with you can move on it's like what you see right now in 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 the UFC especially if they've knocked them out Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see the ref run over and say the fight's over. Mm-hmm. It's it's very similar in that way, and it looks really brutal when you when you see them when you yeah. see them get knocked out and Replays, they're still going at slow it. Motion, yeah. yeah, and like they're not they're defenseless, defenseless, yeah. and it just looks terrible. And it's like, come on, like do you not see he's like he's down, he's not getting up from that. And to me, it almost seems like I mean, obviously, I'm not in that moment. I'm not in that mindset. I don't know what it's like. But I just think, you know, after a few fights, you got to understand, like, once you got someone, you knock them down on the ground and and you can, like, you can tell, like, he's not coming back up. Like, just let him be. Oh, yeah. I just think it's interesting how, like, that's, even in that context, like, when you hear stories on the news and whatever, or videos online, and, yeah, people are down on the ground and they're still getting attacked. Or how I just think like it's weird how we've we've shifted now into a time where oh we're a lot more enlightened now. We know, we understand better, like you're not supposed to do these things. And now it's like not only can't you do these things, but then you can't even say anything. Our, the, your words are you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words We'll never heard that's no longer even a part of the conversation anymore yeah and i'm sure that saying came from somewhere too where right it was literally you were getting you know stones sticks, or, thrown, yeah. sticks and stones thrown at you yeah and they could say whatever they want that didn't hurt because you know you got a couple of stones to the, to the temple you're you're gonna be quite a bit of pain and they can say whatever they want to right you at I that mean, point <sighs> right Back, I mean, we were just, I don't know, things were, people were tougher back then or something. I don't know. Yeah, right? Because 
the idea or the understanding was like, yeah, you can call me whatever you want. But it's it, like when once you remove physical pain, all you're left with is your emotional pain. Because <laughs> don't they say, you know, emotional wounds are harder to heal? Did Oprah say that? Did Oprah say that? I don't know. I just thought Oprah, like, that's something Oprah would say. <laughs> Did you what? hear that on The View? I've been watching OWN a lot. Oh, the O Network? The O Network. The OWN Network. I don't know. I just, that just seems right to me, I guess. It's, you know, these these more emotional wounds. Okay, does that, okay, so does that, you think that speaks to people were more, no, I don't think they were. People were, there was just this, this self, this level of consciousness or self-consciousness back in the day where it was like, you guys can make fun of me for being, for being, you know, tall. You guys can make fun of me for being, but that was a, t- uh, what is it? Term of endearment? Is that the word I'm looking for? Where, for example, yeah, like, amongst friends, the the fat kid was made fun of. He was just the fat kid. Yeah. He's part of the group, but hey, we're, <laughs> like you said, we're going to make fun of you. Or whatever, whatever the reason that they stood out. And I think I think that's that's definitely important important point to emphasize is that within a friend, within a group of friends, that dynamic matters when thinking about insults. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it hurts. Like if if it's something that you definitely take more personally and you know maybe you're a little bit more sensitive how it was used yeah context but definitely you know we all do that like especially amongst friends maybe more so guys than than girls but it's just it's a natural yeah it's a natural way to bond bond and it's it's it is it is endearment like it's it's a compliment i guess you could say or just like you know you're just throwing jabs at each other and you can laugh it off and you know, move on to the next and not worry about what people, you're not really worried about what they think of you in a sense because they are telling you how, what they think of you, but they're doing it in a, in a playful way. What's, okay, hold on, uh, my mind's being blown right now. So sticks and stones is basically visible versus the invisible? Boom. Some way, somehow for the children Some, to understand? Yeah. Sorry, folks, I'm, I'm like, Trying to put this all together in my head, but that's essentially what we're talking about. I can see it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. I mean, they do hurt. Like you said, they do hurt. But they're not. No, they're not. They're not less real than sticks and stones. Right? A fat kid being called fat, it's going to hurt them. But would the fat kid rather be called fat or get beat up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. This is this is this is a hard one. Um, I feel like, like when my when my when my friends tell me that I'm overweight, which I am, at this point, I always go to the Eric Cartman thing, and I'm not fat. I'm big bone. Yeah. Well, I would definitely say. You can do more with the insult than you can with with the sticks getting and beat stones. up. Well, depending too, because if you decide, you know what, I'm you tired be karate of kid or what? 
You're going to be Karate Kid? Yeah, you're going to go and become Karate Kid and, you know, beat everyone up. But then you learn in, in karate that you should, you know, practice peace. Karate. You know, and I don't know, it's interesting. I think... I think either way, there's something to be learned. Definitely. Definitely. I think that's the point we're, that we're missing now. Because if you think about modern, your modern the story you talked about with the with the sheep, uh, the shepherd broke their leg and they learned. Right. He didn't have to say anything. Hmm. We're always supposed to be learning. I think that's the point, right? That's definitely, yep. That's the point I think we've been making this whole time. <laughs> If we are no longer updating ourselves, just like you need to update your iPhone and your computer and in your, you know, your skill set, everything has to be updated continually to the point where you can you can be competent enough. Okay, okay, fine. Let's let's break down the whole fifty-year-old baby. All right, fifty-year-old baby. Here we go. So that's somebody that emotionally they haven't. Matured. They haven't matured. They haven't learned how to deal with their emotions, how to deal with the dynamics of interpersonal relationships, so to speak. Yeah. Hmm. What do you see there? They didn't learn from the sticks or the stones or the words. They didn't. Okay, so in thinking about physical, you know, cuts and whatnot, uh, is it Muay Thai? Is it Muay Thai? There's one of those art, uh, martial martial arts? martial arts martial arts or martial art forms that um, calls for them to break their shin bone, so it becomes calloused and then becomes even more. Tough, essentially. It becomes hardened in order for yeah. them to withstand not only blows, but they can also get them. Deal, yeah, deal blows. It it, 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 it toughens their, their shins even more. Right. And then you think about you get a cut, you get the scab. A lot of times the scab is stronger than, right? Than your what was sc- there before? What was there before? But can can you say the same thing with your emotions or your thoughts or your ideas? I think so. It's just different. It's it's invisible, like we've been talking about. I think it's something you can't see. So we don't know what the effects of that are going to be. Whereas with the physical, it's. I think that's. I think it's the same thing. First, it's it's first it's invisible, like we know scripturally or spiritually speaking script scripturally speaking it's always in the invisible and then it is shown in the in the physical world so the same way that our feelings ideas and thoughts and emotions are not visible but yet are affected we won't see those effects until let's say the fat guy decides to go to the gym and he's buff or the dumb guy decides to go read and he becomes smart I don't know if it's the same thing. Or or Cain being jealous, angry towards God and his brother that led him down the path to murder his brother. Right. 
Because it wasn't like I I murdered my brother and then I became angry at him. Yeah. It, didn't, it doesn't work that way. But because he allowed his thoughts and emotions to fester, right? He allowed himself to become an agent of evil in that regard. He he did bear fruit of evil because he gave into evil thoughts, evil desires, evil right? Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, we got another plane. So yeah, I, I think in in light of all this, it's been it's been fascinating to see the dynamics of the unseen world and the seen world, the visible and the invisible. You know, that plays out in our lives every day, and and I think that we certainly don't pay enough attention to what we don't see, because we think we don't see, but if for those who I for those who have eyes to see. They shall see, and I think we we understand that when we say that is spiritualized. When we can see the three fourths angel, angels, right? Is it three fourths angels? Two thirds. Two thirds. Sorry, I misspoke. Two thirds angels that are with us. It, it again, and going back to not operating in fear, but knowing that that's the case. As long as we are abiding by, I think that's kind of my summary I guess you could say my my takeaways in a lot of abiding in, in, in truth this. yeah first and foremost yeah 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 there's right because there's definitely things that like again there's things that are happening first in the invisible or the spiritual world and we are we're allowing these things to manifest one way or another, depending on what we give ourselves to. It's another way of thinking about it is it's the scientific method. It's I have a hypothesis. I'm going to run some experiments. I'm going to look at the, the results and the data and figure out, OK, what went wrong? What went well? You know, I'm going to have a control group, all these different, um, you know, methodologies and then. You know, here here's my end result from this experiment. This is what I was able to create: the atomic bomb, medicine, you know, vaccines, what have you. I think if we want to say it that way, for those who, you know, more are a little bit more scientific leaning, I think that's a good metaphor or parallel. Yeah. Yeah, and I. We definitely can't do that alone. Definitely can't right. do that apart from truth, apart from wisdom, apart from having a certain understanding that, okay, going back to the whole idea of originality, that what it, what is in the unseen world is becoming, to, it's coming to life because of the decisions we make one way or another some way somehow 
because yeah, what what I think of or what comes to mind for me was in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. We talked a little bit about this earlier. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So in essence, that the fact that we had a heart of stone was evident that we weren't living we weren't living the way God intended. Having the heart of flesh is what God intended. Like you were saying earlier about having the the law of God written within our hearts. In order for that to take place, he first has to restore us back to to this place where where we are going to be, be able to understand, we are going to be able to be perceptive. The the sheep getting the, their legs broken, so to speak. All those animal rights groups are going to be upset. <laughs> All the animal rights people that listen to no our podcast. No goats were harmed in the <laughs> recording of this podcast. So, yeah. Well, that wraps that up. Appreciate you all giving us a listen like share subscribe if you will if you like if we won't be able to see it so we don't know it's it's real until you actually press the button and then it will become visible it, it, it to becomes us to live in the visible world absolutely and if you'd like please leave a comment let us know what you think we'd love to get some feedback or just your thoughts on what we're discussing here you know we want this conversation to continue beyond ourselves and that's our hope at least Without having said it to each other, I think that's what we're hoping for. We want everyone to join along as much as possible. At the crossroads. All right. Good night. Good night. Live from the RN Studios in Tustin, California. At the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee.